Have you ever wanted to meet a transit CEO who rides his own service on a regular basis? Well, today you will when you meet Brad Miller, CEO of Pinellas Suncoast Transit in St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm Paul Comfort, your host, and on this edition, I travel to Florida and speak with Brad in detail about how he was the first transit system in America to adapt the Uber, Lyft, TNC model for the first last-mile solution for their service. Also, how he went about winning a Federal Transit Administration sandbox grant and how he's expanding cooperation with his neighboring city of Tampa, Florida. All that on this edition of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. Hi, I'm Paul Comfort, your host of Transit Unplugged, and today I'm with my good buddy Brad Miller, who is CEO of Pinellas Suncoast Transit Authority, PSTA, down here in sunny Florida. Brad, great to have you with us today. Great to be here with you. Yeah, we are at, uh, tell us where we're at. We are at the Florida Public Transit Association's Triple Crown Rodeo. There that you means go. it's uh, big buses, vans, and paratransit uh, cutaways. That's the Triple Crown. We're at the State Rodeo here at Daytona Beach. We're right on the beach. It's pretty yeah. nice. And I met a lot of the drivers out there and the mechanics and all. And uh, your executive director, and you're president of the State Association this year, is that right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And your executive director was telling me she thinks this is the largest state transit rodeo in America. Oh, really? I didn't uh, yeah. know that. And yeah. probably the biggest one all under roof, which is awesome on a yeah. hot day in Florida like it is today. Oh, yeah. Well, here in Daytona, they actually hold it inside the convention center yeah. indoors. Amazing. The buses go around inside. Yeah, yeah. So pretty cool. So, Brad, uh, tell us about yourself some. We always like to ask the CEOs, you know, tell us about your career and how you ended up where you're at. People are interested <laughs> in that. And so go yeah. ahead. Well, I was sort of... Um, I would say genetically born into the <laughs> transit industry myself. Okay. My dad was a professor um, in Pennsylvania at Penn State of, and he taught a transportation course. Okay. So, in their business department. So I was, we were constantly, um, and he he started. He was on the board of the uh, the transit system they have there at Penn State, and. Um, so we were going out to the bus garage and looking at new buses sometimes when I was wow, a kid. Man. I was a bus for Halloween, not <laughs> once, but twice. That's we awesome. Would, we would take vacations to ride on trains and streetcars and stuff like that. So then when I got older, then I desperately tried everything I could do to not follow my dad's <laughs> uh, career. Yeah. I tried, I got, I got my master's in public administration and I uh, you know, wanted to go down the road of um, public service, but more like a city manager or a county manager, and not in transportation. But yeah, I uh, I I failed miserably at getting one of those other jobs. So um, I finally uh, found an opportunity in Virginia, where um, Virginia provides internship grants to five or six transit systems across their state every year, or they did back then. And uh, so I. Uh, my dad knew the uh, person at the Virginia Department of Transportation that organized that program, so she gave he he gave me her name and I contacted her and she got me interviews at all the different um, oh, wow. grantees. Yeah. And I interviewed across the state and I got offered a number of those internship jobs. Um, I wanted to go back there because my wife 
to be at the time was from Virginia. Okay. And um, I ended up taking a job with a brand new commuter rail, the Virginia Railway Express uh, train outside of uh, northern Washington, D.C. Yes. Yeah. So I really got started there. And um, I thought this was still just going to be a temporary gig until I could find some other job. And then about my third day on the job, I remember they said, Brad, uh, the train is broken down and um, you have to go out and tell all the passengers um, it's not coming. So good luck with that. And um, what was you were the what was your job title? Just uh, intern? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I went out there work, huh? and I had had some experiences um, working at the uh, state capitol in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and on Capitol Hill in okay. Washington, D.C. I had seen those levels of government. But then when that experience where you know, the passengers were obviously very mad. This, yeah. this, they relied on the train to get to and from work. And they really, this was really important. And that, I still remember that. I was like, oh my gosh, people actually care about this stuff. Yeah. And uh, from then I was pretty much hooked, I think. That's where the rubber um, hits the road, literally, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The steel I mean, wheel hits um, the track. So I worked there for eight years um, on a lot of capital planning and, um, implementing some of the bus systems out there in the, in suburban uh, Vir Northern Virginia. Like PRTC or? Yeah. It, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then um, from there, I then went down to Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, and was the manager of operations there of the new transit system that had just been sort of created within the city um, after they had passed their half cent sales tax for transit improvements. Cats. Cats. Yeah, I was yeah. just there yesterday and they said to say hi to you. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, some of the folks yeah. that remembered you, I told them I was coming here. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, that was just a fantastic experience because they, they had passed the sales tax, they had created this new organization that was dedicated toward implementing a light rail system and massively expanding the bus system. So it was a great opportunity to yeah. start delving into a lot of uh, new and different things, very involved with the light rail startup um, process. And then I got a call six years later, um, said, um, hey, do you want to put your name in to be a general manager or a CEO of a uh, trans system? Okay, uh, it's out in Des Moines, Iowa. Are you interested? <laughs> uh, no, not so much. Um, but I, finally, I changed my mind. I said, oh, okay, I'll go out there for the interview. And um, it really was a nice, a really awesome, great city, uh, very urban, uh, dense downtown. And um, I was the general manager for the Des Moines Regional Transit System there. We became a regional system out there for five years. And then um, that was an awesome job, but it was just a thousand miles away from any of our family members right, or sure, yeah. people that I know. Um, so I was constantly looking to come back to the East Coast. And then this job down here in Florida opened up at uh, Pinellas Suncoast Transit Authority in St. Petersburg. And uh, so I said, okay, I'll, I'll put my name in for that. And uh, sure enough. How so long now, ago was that? Uh, I've been there now for seven years. Wow, so, Brad, since that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's been great. It's been great. You're not getting the seven year itch? <laughs> no, you know, no, um, no, it's been a, it's the most fabulous place to live. Yeah. The weather is really great. Um, the opportunities, uh, my board has given me are, are, are really fantastic. Um, I've got two kids. They're now, um, going through one's in, now in high school and one is in middle school. So I think this is a pretty good place for now. That's awesome. So yeah. tell us about uh, Pinellas Suncoast Transit, the kind of the scope of the service and all that. By the way, that's quite an interesting story. You're the first person 
that I've interviewed, and I've probably done maybe 20 of these interviews now for CEOs that kind of grew up in transit, you know, okay. even though you tried yeah. to run away from it. Most people fall <laughs> into it later in their career. Right. It sounds like you, right from the get-go, you were in it. Yeah, 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 despite my attempts yeah. not to be, but uh, that's right. Yeah, kids are funny, aren't they? How they try to run away from their parents' <laughs> legacy. Like, I know, so, I, this is kind of off topic, but I know so many young people that are friends with my kids who, you know, their dad runs an HVAC company, and they're like, you know, I want to turn it over to my son, but he doesn't want it. So yeah. the kid will go out and earn $9 an hour busting their butts on some other job. When they could have been, you know, you know, making a hundred thousand a year as chief operating officer of dad's company. It's just funny how kids are, but I'm glad you stayed in the industry because you are a bright light in our business. You really are. And, um, uh, so tell us about the bright light that you're putting in Pinellas Suncoast Transit. What, oh. what, what is this, what is the nature of your service there? Well, we are essentially about, we're the transit system for about one half of what's commonly known as the Tampa Bay region. Right, right. Um, Tampa St. Pete. Right? Uh, yep, yeah. Tampa St. Pete. We are, we call ourselves the better side of it, the <laughs> West Coast. We're on the Gulf of Mexico, so right. we um, we have a county of about a million people that we serve. Wow. And um, uh, that includes about four or five million tourists every year as well sure, to our yeah. beautiful beaches. Yeah. So uh, we have a 200 bus uh, fixed, fixed route uh, system okay. um, and lots of uh, trolleys and services that are oriented toward, toward tourists. Right now we're in, we're just finishing up um, at the end of April here, um, spring break, which mm -hmm. is our highest ridership period of the year. Um, we is are- else, I mean, is that area a big spring break area where kids come down from all over the country or yeah it's kids it's spring training um baseball, baseball? fans okay. yeah, um yeah. canadians come down to watch the blue jays in our county um, okay you know it's all types of folks we're one of the few trans systems that has a wet bathing suit policy because they um the trolleys go within like 10 feet of the, the what's beach. the policy uh, you're allowed to have it, but you have to put a towel down. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Do you have like plastic seats or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, on those vehicles. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, that's our that's our been our main um, so bus, service for trolley and paratransit. Yeah, we operate. We contract out our paratransit to a local uh, company. Okay. Um, and we have a fairly high ridership on that. We are have an older. There's a lot of retirees, of course, here that come to Florida, yes, and right, uh, yeah. they certainly come to uh, St. Petersburg, Clearwater area. Yeah. Um, so our paratransit is very, uh, very strong too. How many passengers um, a day would you say you operate for paratransit? Do you know off the top of your head? We're we're probably about 1,200. Okay. Uh, that is uh, our ridership on our fixed route has been dropping like many of the transit systems, but our paratransit. It just keeps growing and yeah, growing absolutely. and growing. Yeah. What is your ridership on yeah. your fixed route side? We're about forty thousand uh, trips a day. Okay. On the on the fixed route too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, and how about your trolleys and all that? Do you have thousands of people ride them as well, or is that considered part of your fixed route system? That's part of the fixed yeah. route. We okay. contract some of that out to uh, to different vendors, and we provide a whole bunch of extra service during uh, spring break that uh, just finished. We operate in this larger Tampa Bay region. Um, and we have sort of our sister agency, the Hillsborough Transit System, Heart, okay. on the other side of the bay in you downtown connected? Tampa. We have we have connections yeah. on the different bridges that cross the Tampa Bay. Okay, but they really act um, somewhat independent. Um, we're about the same size. We do try to coordinate, of course, a lot uh, together. We actually share some employees, like our procurement manager and our risk manager. We have one for both agencies. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, some different things like that, but. Lately, the Tampa Bay region has been trying to 
act much more like a region and get to get along better with each other on transportation and initiatives. So that's one of the things that we've been working on is to try to, you know, fold fold the different transit agencies together, partner on more things. We're doing a fare collection, a uh, big mobile ticketing fare collection project with Hart. Oh, uh, yeah. So those are some of the collaborative things we've been doing yeah. in the region. That's great. And how are you governed? Do you have a board of directors, and how does that work? Yes, I have a board of directors that I report to, uh, which is pretty large. It's 15 members. Uh, almost all of them are elected officials. Okay. So uh, Like city four, councilmen kind of stuff? or Yeah, mayors, city councils, four county commissioners. In my county, there are 24... Uh, municipalities, but a lot of those are very small little beach towns. Up all along the beach, it seems like okay. there's these little tiny towns, and they yeah. all have a mayor and some city commissioners or whatever. And uh, yeah, so then uh, politicians on my board, um, they're a very engaged board, um, lots of uh, input, some positive, some negative, but um, they've been very open to trying new things and um, trying to work together closer as a whole region. Yeah. How are you funded? Do you have a sales tax? We or? have a property tax. We're an ad valorem tax okay. that is levied in in our city that the board that I report to controls. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Up That's to three quarters of a mill okay. uh, property tax. And what's your annual operating and capital budget, would you say? Uh, we're about at $80 million operating budget per year. Uh, and our capital budget is maybe about, about $25 million a year. Great. Yeah. And what are some of the new things you're working on? Uh, you were telling me some of the stuff, but I know you've got a lot going on down there. Yeah, well, of course, we're um, working on sort of, sort of like traditional projects, like uh, we have a bus rapid transit uh, uh, line uh, that we're working on. Um, to be the f We are the first uh, rapid transit project of any kind in the Tampa Bay history to make it into the F FTA new starts process. Oh, good. You know, yeah. the Tampa Bay area has struggled over the years. We've had a referendum that I was really involved in in 2014 that did not pass. Mm. Uh, Hillsboro's had two attempts uh, recently that have not passed. There's been some 55 attempts at light rails. Really? Uh, yeah, like- 55? Um, preliminary design, 55 different studies. And you got the first one and now that actually got- We're, we're now yeah. one for 55. Way to go, um, man. Yeah, we're, we're really yeah. kicking it. Um, uh, so we've got that project that's really advanced and then that has really uh, spurred on a lot of excitement in the region. So now there's a proposal for a whole regional rapid uh bus rapid transit kind of program connecting tampa and st pete our two major uh cities together so okay those are sort of our traditional projects then like a lot of transit systems we are looking at the changing transportation landscape and this idea of we need to we need to be uh more of a mobility manager for our community and less just the bus company or the okay. trolley company yeah. so um we were very proud to be the first transit system in the u.s to have a contract with uber on a first mile last mile program that we that we uh struck with them two years ago and we started off as a pilot where they could we would subsidize uber rides or taxi rides to and from key bus stops in our community we have each year we've expanded that um, bit by bit. And so now I was telling my staff, it's kind of like the iPhone. I call it, we call it Direct Connect, our first mile, last mile program with Uber. And uh, so we had like Direct Connect 1.0, now 2.0. We just launched 3.0. Okay. Um, adding more stops, um, 
streamlining it a little bit, getting a closer partnership with Uber so that they do some advertising and promotion of it right in their app. So it's getting better and better. It's still not perfect, but um, it's like the, all the stuff with TNCs, we're kind of learning as we go. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so um, tell us a little more how that actually operates. So if, if I'm, because I think people are interested in, right now, everybody in America is looking at what is the role, what's a good role for a TNC? And I think you've almost perfected it here. So as a, from a customer's perspective, how would it work? Okay, I'm riding a bus, I get off at the bus stop, but it's not right at my house. So what do I do then? Right. Uh, say you, um, yeah, you live maybe a mile or so too far to walk from yes. uh, from the bus stop. So okay. you can take you can take the bus and then hop hop off the stop, hail an Uber from that bus stop. Do I use the Uber app or do I use yeah. your app? You can go right into the Uber app just okay. like you normally would. Okay. Um, Within the Uber app, the technology is there, so it knows that you're within, uh, you're you're at a bus stop. Okay. Uh, and uh, now you type in a promo code, Uber to PSTA, uh, and then it will give you, it will check to make sure that you're at a bus stop, okay. and then it will give you a five dollar. It'll credit your account $5 off your ride. And then do they bill you on the back end? Yeah. And you yeah. guys pay that? Yeah. And like, is that very popular? Are people using it? It's really growing. Yeah, uh, yeah we are um, approaching about 1,000 rides a day now. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's awesome. Five bucks off an Uber ride is pretty cool. Yeah. And does it work vice versa if I wanted to go from my house to the bus stop yep. on either end? Yes. I could call an Uber to my house, hop in, and type in the code, and then it takes, if it was a $7 trip, I only got to pay two? Yes. That's right. pretty awesome, Brad. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like there's some certain uh, major employers that are um, lots of their folks ride the bus, but they're a little too far to walk or whatever. And so they, we see like during the peak periods, uh, we'll see uh, a lot of a lot of rides, or yeah. they'll, they'll all jump in the car together, and then it's two dollars divided by the number of oh, yeah. uh, employees. So it's right. a pretty good deal for them. Yeah. So have you done any analysis to see? Um, is that you know in increasing ridership? Are people using the bus more as a way because they can get there, or is it helping to, I mean, reduce the cost? Or what's the impact to your agency that you're seeing so far? We using uh, a TNC. Yeah, well, of course, the idea which I uh, we're trying to do, just like lots of transit systems, is that we focus our our fixed route bus system on the main corridors of go. our community, right. and then this fills in the gaps. So yes. rather than providing uh, maybe higher cost feeder routes, which we were previously, but we've been able to eliminate some of those, save some money to put back into the, the main lines. Um, and then these businesses that have located off the main lines or um, neighborhoods that really don't have uh, sidewalks or whatever to walk out to the, to the routes. Now you can get public transit pretty much anywhere in the county because um, you maybe have to take an Uber to the stop, but you, now you have access to it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. The other thing to our agency that this first deal uh, created for us was a relationship with Uber. Mm -hmm. And uh, they started feeling uh, more comfortable with public transit agencies, that we weren't out to get them or right. we were trying to uh, work together. So we uh, then moved on to, we got a state grant for helping low-income people get a ride home late at night on Uber or a taxi um, after, say, a third shift job. Like, after the buses stopped running, they would take the bus to their job, okay. but the bus would stop running, and um, before they really were, couldn't have that job, but now they could get a free Uber ride home paid wow. for by the grant, um, and that has really taken off. That's we're, awesome. 
north of 50,000 rides on that wow. over the last year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you were telling me, are you also using a TNC for paratransit? Yeah, so then our, our third program that we uh, have just started uh, implementing is our, uh, we got a, a FTA sandbox grant to uh, provide TNC um, service on a real-time basis for our paratransit customers. So rather than calling the day before and making a reservation like traditional paratransit, you can just hail a lift, lift ride, or uh, an accessible vehicle um, real time and it'll come in 10 15 minutes that's awesome um, yeah so we were really looking forward to that really rolling out more in the coming months that's great you mentioned the sandbox grant and we, i haven't talked to anybody about that yet on the show uh, can you tell us a little about the sandbox grant process from the fta and what it helps people do because it really is a place where innovations can be bred yeah that's right i think it is a really um pretty neat program that the fta came up with where I think the the definition of why they called it sandbox was they understand that FTA has tomes of rules and regulations that we all have to follow yeah. uh, that are restricting on what what you can often do or get funded, and they created this program specifically to identify maybe you have an innovative idea that doesn't completely comply with their 1965 rules, and maybe they can do something about that. Maybe they can play around in the sandbox a little bit with this and um, come up with something that's more modern that meets with these new technologies. So cities applied for, like we applied for this uh, real-time paratransit program. Other cities uh, applied for integrated apps on your phone, on, on uh, Uber and Lyft and mm -hmm. uh, transit. Um, all sorts of different ideas came in. The first round they uh, awarded to 12 cities and um, they've created sort of some collaboration opportunities with the 12 cities um, so we can learn from each other. Oh, that's good, um, yeah. yeah. so it's been really good. And, and do they fund 100% of your proposed cost or do you have to have a match or how does that work? Uh, I think each city proposed different arrangements. We proposed, um, uh, I think our, uh, our grant was for $500,000 to develop the uh, software that we're using to uh, facilitate these paratransit rides and then to provide some of the uh, rides themselves um, and then we are matching that with our about uh, $250,000 worth of our own in-kind okay. right, and, and expenses. Yeah so um, on the paratransit side where Lyft is are you subsidizing the Lyft trip uh, to a certain percentage, you know, in other words, you know, a normal person that would ride a normal ADA paratransit pays how much here in Pinellas Suncoast? So they, they pay 450 Okay. And so they, that would be the same on, same on, uh, same on, Lyft. on this, yeah. So you would subsidize whatever the balance is? Yes. Okay. Yes. And they bill you on the back end kind of a thing after the trip. They have to be a certified ADA registered patron? Yeah, so they're in the database and um, our, uh, our customer service folks will take the call and say, Oh, hi, um, Mr. Comfort. Um, we have a lift ride available for you in five minutes. We have a taxi ride available for you in 10, and it, and it costs um, this amount of money um, if, it's a, if it's a longer ride. Or, or, oh, we see that you have a uh, mobility device. So we have um, a uh, accessible vehicle that's available in 10 minutes. Um, so how is that folded into, sorry for all these detailed questions, but it's a really interesting concept. How is that folded into your traditional ADA paratransit, which has been one to seven days in advance? Are some people still on the one to seven days? Oh yeah. And other, so how, yeah. How, how is that folded so, in? So far we have um, only um, 
tried implementing these partnerships with TNCs as a supplement to okay. the, the base paratransit option. Right. Since we provide transit service throughout our entire county, um, the paratransit coverage area covers the entire county uh, as well. So okay. there's always the option, uh, if you are eligible for paratransit, to take the regular um, take the regular service and call right. the day day before or whatever. Okay. And so you still like have a lot of people have. doing that? Yes. Okay. And is your service door-to-door or curb-to-curb? Your normal service, uh, it is curb to curb. So the so the service levels are the same. Correct uh, for both of them. Correct. In some cities like Baltimore, where I was CEO, we did door to door. But if you you know we were talking about if you were going to use a TNC, it would probably be curb to curb. So it's a different oh, level of yeah. service. But you don't have that issue since it's all curb to curb. Not yet. I yeah. mean, we're, again, we're sort of in the uh, just Still uh, innovating launch right? mode and yeah. trying to figure this out. I know that um, Boston has been a, a place where they've really kind of. Uh, led on this issue of using TNCs for paratransit customers. And they've seen a lot of, it's been very popular there. So they've seen latent demand where uh, their um, residents are taking a lot more trips than they used to do on the regular paratransit on the, on Uber and Lyft. Yeah. Um, so we're we're going to test that too and see if that happens okay. down here in Florida as yeah. well. I was yeah. talking to Brian Shortsleeve about that about a month ago actually, their former CEO of MBTA who now is on their board. And he was telling me it's like it's really generated a lot of interest, you know, in the service. Oh it's yeah, very popular. Well, I mean, it's it, theoretically it's a win-win. It is so much uh, better for the customers yeah. to be able to have that access on a real-time basis rather yep. than planning your whole life around your transportation. Uh, and it's better for us because the costs yes. are relative are lower. I was going to mention that if you would talk about that some. I, what a lot of people are finding, um, for instance, in Baltimore, we had a similar service, but about 20% of our passengers, we had 10,000 paratransit passengers a day, about 20% of them uh, would call, anybody could do it, but they would call a different number and it would be supplemental service, non-ADA, yeah. uh, called non-ADA, because it, it, uh, it wasn't part of our traditional ADA paratransit. We had three of our you know, MV, First Transit, and Transtap providing those services, but the cost was like half of the cost per right. trip. So that's another benefit to the transit agency and trying taxi cabs or Lyft or whatever is the cost. You're finding the same thing here? Yes, we still think, we, we, um, our contracted paratransit rate is still very low, okay. uh, but, um, and, uh, uh, but we think this will be even cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how those companies, you know, the Keolises, the First Transit, Transdev, MV, RATP, Dev, I just interviewed their uh, president, how they adapt to that. Because a big part of their uh, business model is operating paratransit. Right. And as more and more systems are looking, I would say, uh, you'll in the next two years, probably almost every major city in the North America will be doing something with TNCs yeah. uh, because of the ease of use, right, and the cost. And so are these other companies going to adapt? And I think they are adapting. I think that's probably where uh, the whole industry is at right now. There's a yes. lot of experimentation. Yeah. I can't guarantee that we've got it perfectly solved. There's lots of issues that we have that we're you know trying to deal with with the TNCs. They don't really uh, provide very good data to us to okay. uh, on a on a regular yes. know, consistent basis. Yeah. So that's been a real struggle. Like you're getting um, real time data from your other company, I'm sure that's providing yeah, right. transit. You can right. see at your corporate headquarters what the OTP is right now, right? Yeah, up on some board. Yes. You're not going to get that from. A TNC right now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think they're they're getting better and better the yes. more they work with us, but yeah. it's still a, a process. I know a lot of trans systems are um, 
looking at different modes where maybe it's their own employees uh, who that they control more or their own vehicles that are providing they maybe create an app and yeah. then the app is kind of like an uber app but it's it controls uh vehicles that the trans agency controls and that that gives them just more uh comfort and they can uh, un- get the data and understand it better um this model of only i don't think it's ever going to be uh one size fits all like only use Uber, or only use Lyft, or only use your own vehicles. It mm-hmm. probably is going to mold into a um, an amalgamation of all those things. Yeah, yeah. It's a stew of all, of exactly. all these different ingredients, right? Which yeah. stew tastes awesome. <laughs> uh, so what's next? You, you, these are some awesome things you've got, but what's next for your system, and what do you see coming in the next five years for PSTA? Well, we, we really – I think my agency has really um, uh, gotten this reputation of – looking outside the box, being yeah, innovative, innovative, trying yeah. to become mobili- uh, mobility managers. And I think the employees really, um, really love that. So we, we're constantly looking at what's next on the horizon. So autonomous vehicles are certainly um, uh, something it's, I think in our short term, we're hoping to do some pilot uh, operations of some AV programs, uh, maybe even later this year. Long term, I think we are again looking at the Tampa Bay as a as a as a regional, uh, mm-hmm. um, as, at least from transportation, regional planning, regional solutions. So this idea of hey, if we can get this bus rapid transit uh, line going on our highest uh, ridership route in our county, that will show folks that having a strong core network coupled with these innovative first mile, last mile programs. That can be expanded across the Tampa Bay to uh, to be out th- throughout the region, and the transit will uh, be able to find sort of its place, um, and people will be able to understand it uh, and accept that as a good role for public transit. That's great. Very yeah. good. Well, thanks for being with us today, Brad. Thank you. It's yeah. been great. Yeah, Brad Miller, who is the CEO of Pinellas Suncoast Transit Authority uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida. Beautiful place, right on. Uh, I've been there to those beaches. you got a great city there, man. Congratulations for awesome. all the great work you're doing. Thank you. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.